Welcome, Rob. Welcome to my show. <laughs> Hi and hello, watch fans, and welcome to another edition of the Real Time Show. Today, we are live on location at S Range with two of the titans of watchmaking, Jupp Philippe and Andreas Bensley. What's your middle name, Andreas? Corbinian. Woof, what a name, what a name. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me, and thanks for providing the beer. That's very much appreciated and a novelty for the show. What are we doing here? We will shoot 13 watches up to space. Of course we will, yeah. yes. Well, we do not know on what day, we do not know at what time, but it will happen. <laughs> we hope it will happen. We yes, hope so. so. No, everything is prepared. So we do uh, we do, do testing in space. Yes. Okay. So today is Monday, the twenty first of November, twenty twenty two. It's half past three in the afternoon. Don't think too badly of us for already having opened a beer because the sun has long since set and it's pitch black outside. Launch was scheduled for tomorrow morning at what seven a.m. Was it God, or eight thirty? It's early, yeah. The, okay. the hot countdown started six hours beforehand. And... Okay, but we've had to postpone it because of, well, we're not entirely sure exactly what fault was found on the rocket or what problem there was with one of the experiments or another one of the experiments, but whatever it was, we now definitely have to wait at least one more day. And we're keeping our fingers crossed that we can launch on Wednesday yes. because otherwise... Otherwise, there will be a problem. There. There's a coming a, a weather front, the snow... <laughs> <laughs> and this means that no rocket can be launched, so Wednesday is the last day, and then we don't know if it's one, two, three weeks, nobody knows. And this is quite, I wouldn't say devastating yet, but potentially devastating, because of course you've worked on this project for how many years now? Three years, is it? To three to years. Life? Three years ago, we've been the first time here, have the first contact with SSC, and when we said we started planning this project. So tell us exactly how Fortis came to be involved with the Swedish Space Corporation. I always have to, I have to say that very slowly because otherwise I sound like Sean Connery. I can't say Swedish and Space <laughs> next to each yeah, other. It's, it's, it's hard too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess um, there was always this idea of bringing photos back into space. I think that's first and foremost the most important because thing. Because you have a long history. Yourself. We have a bloody long history in space. Actually started back in the 60s with mm -hmm. the famous Space Matic and the Gemini program, NASA. But then there was a bit of quietness alongside. And then back in the late 80s, early 90s, we started to collaborate with the Russian Roscosmos Agency. Mm -hmm. um, and since ever then, we've been kind of the official equipment on board the First Mir and then ISS. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, back in 2014, we kind of stopped all of the collaborations with the Russians because it's been quite annoying as well. Um, the contact was very difficult. The communication, there was a lack of communication. You know, they kind of handed the whole Roscosmos agency, made it a, a governmental thing. Mm -hmm. So you have to inquire through several channels and you obviously can only do this in a Russian language and you know and then all these <clears throat> there's obviously also the politics play a big part of the role here you cannot just go there anymore you cannot just do things or develop things so yeah that's why we said okay we need we have a good history in space but now it's time for the future okay and the process of getting in touch with these guys was a little bit almost fatalistic from what I understand it so Yup, you were telling me yesterday that you spotted something at Fortis's HQ in Grenchen. Yeah, we, we have an, uh, you, you have been to Grenchen, so we have the stairs uh, where it's a lot of pictures from the old times. And there I, I spotted an old picture of a rocket launch. There have been already watches inside. And I always was wondering where has this launch has been because this wasn't, there was nobody and this was just a rocket with yeah, watches yeah, inside. Yeah. So, uh, and then, and I told Andreas, hey, we have to do this again. Yeah. We have to find out where, where have, where has this been? And then we have also an appointment at the DLR in Germany, mm -hmm. uh, because there was also a good relationship in the past with the DLR. And, uh, we, we asked if we can restart our relationship. And uh, they said, okay, it's, it's in, state organized organization it's not allowed to work with private companies and 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 but he told me then if you want to do testing go to the ssc to sweden because fortis has already 
done it before 20 he years. He knows the history. He knows about this rocket launch from this photography I saw at Grenchen. He actually organized it at that time. Yeah, I think he was also an organizer. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And then he just gave us okay, the information, go to the SSC, but I think we did not call the SSC. This was just in our mind, okay, let's have it one time. And then you had a call. Yeah, this was, was pretty interesting because at a certain point in time, I just got a call. Hi, this is Stefan from the Swedish Space Corporation. I was like, by, by accident, you know, I was like, yeah, nice to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, he was, he told me later, yeah, he, he was calling the factory and then, and then he came out at the reception and Brenda. Oh, uh, Brenda. Brenda. Oh, Brenda. Amazing. <laughs> I love Brenda. Everybody loves Brenda. <laughs> said okay um yeah i forward you to the marketing dude so yeah that's that's where and that's started. your official job title yeah, that's, that's my official astronaut and you know <laughs> <laughs> no but that was very funny because he was like calling me and telling me we got to know each other and um it's like um that's been way before corona <clears throat> and um and uh he was telling me that his father used to be the head of um um, service Abrevent for Rolex in Germany and um, he's very much into watches and he is a space engineer and I was like nice nice let's let's have a chat about how to proceed here I mean this is a bizarre level of symmetry faith that, I mean yes yeah <laughs> fate and the planets quite aptly aligning perfectly for Fortis to begin its mission back into space. And that was, like you say, what, three years ago before Corona, maybe yeah. even more, three yeah, and a half. Maybe even three and a half, something like that, yeah. And mm -hmm. we first came, well, when did you first come to, to S-Range? When was that, 2020? Well, basically 2019, I guess. Already. Yeah, it should be 2019 because it was before Corona. Yeah. And 2018, I bought the company. Then we had the first contact and it was already autumn. And it yeah. was really really cold already i guess third quarter of third quarter of 2019 okay okay and you've and you've been now is this your fourth visit here did you go in 2020 third, third visit um yeah we did the um on the first we just kind of get to know each other mm -hmm. see the site um see what they're doing they were driving us around radar hill and all of that <clears throat> to show what they're doing here and um funny enough that rocket um, where we've been on like 20 years ago it was called Maxus, and you see the pictures with a big Fortis logo on it and stuff. Cool. There's also one in Kiruna. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the, in the middle of the town, they have this Maxus. This is a Maxus rocket, yeah. So yeah. So for anyone that doesn't know exactly where we are, because I don't expect many people will know where S range is. Yeah. Nor would they know where Kiruna is, but you can find that easily on a map. Kiruna is a very northerly uh, mining town. Yeah. 140 kilometers or so north of the Arctic Circle. It has an airport, which is the airport that we fly to, and then we drive for about 40 minutes north to S-Range. So we really are in the middle of nowhere. It's, it was a site chosen, I believe, because the Aurora Borealis is very commonly seen around here, and scientists that set up this institution wanted to study them more closely. But also it has the advantage of having very little around it. So when these rockets go up, or any kind of flight device like a balloon as we as we'll talk about in a moment when they go up they obviously have to come down somewhere and we don't want them to crash down onto a civilization so uh, crashing down onto trees or arctic tundra is preferable i would guess <laughs> so last year there's bunkers out there there are yeah i've heard about this yeah so if a hunter is out because for example Sami still living in, in that area kind of doing their reindeer stuff so they're the indigenous population. <clears throat> indigenous of this people are the Sami, yeah, and they do inherit the the law of being the only ones herding reindeers. Okay, okay. So um, they are in this area, mm -hmm. and there is a huge, you know, alarm sign um, when they fire rockets, and um, all of these people need to go into the bunkers that are kind of all around the place here. It's an area of, I think, 256 square kilometers. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's huge. Yeah, the drop zone is massive, right? And massive. it even extends yeah. into Finland. And 
Yeah, they have agreements with him. Let's yeah. call it like that. Just as well. If, if the earth would turn longer, you know, you end up in Russia. That's uh, yeah, yeah. We talked about that at length um, when we knew this rocket launch was planned, and as we all know, what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, that could have caused some issues. But I think it's unlikely that we're going to accidentally drop our rocket onto Russia because it's not in the air for very long, is it? No, it has like I guess fifteen, twenty minutes. It's fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah tops, 50, right? Yeah, fifteen minutes. I guess roughly the farthest distance it can go is like like 80 kilometers. Okay, and that's yeah. because of the rotation of the Earth as, as the rock yeah, is up in the air. the rotation of the Earth is kind of not really playing a big role this time. So it's more about the apogee? Is that what you call the... Yeah, the apogee is like the highest point, basically. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, like a para- parabolic flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the apogee is at 260 kilometers. So right. yeah, halfway ISS I th- basically. I think the launch is one and a half minute maybe, and then you're the in launch. The launch. Six seconds and you don't Six see seconds, it but they need one and a half minute for to yeah, to, to, to push to, it to, to read space. the Apache. Okay. And then they have six minutes free floating. Yeah, six that's minutes. the zero, zero gravity. Zero gravity, and then they come back. Yeah. Amazing. So it's really interesting. We'll talk about the other experiments <laughs> on board the rocket um, more at length and why they might find microgravity or zero gravity for a short period of time useful. It's less useful for the tests that Fortis is doing, but interesting nonetheless. But before we got to this point, uh, you were up here last year, mm-hmm. around the same time, a couple of weeks earlier, I think, and you did preliminary testing of movements in extreme environments by launching a stratospheric balloon, yeah. unsurprisingly, into the stratosphere, about mm-hmm. 30 kilometers up, I believe, yeah. and mounted on that balloon were 13 movements Yeah, in a special case, we did a special case with a special test dial, mm-hmm. and um, we tested the new Berg 17, mm-hmm. um, which we've um, kind of done with La Jupere, mm-hmm. kind of did a new bridge to make it more robust, testing some different lubrication and oils. Um, Yeah, but you know more about this, you know, the, the movement stuff. Yeah, the movement. At, at the end, this was the, the development to have our new uh, space movement. This, okay. this is the movement which we will use in all the space watches. So unlike a very famous space watch, we'll name it by name because this is a real-time show and we don't like to skirt issues, the Omega Speedmaster is obviously known as the space watch because it was the first watch worn on the moon by Buzz Aldrin when he and Neil Armstrong took the first steps on our solo satellite. You know, it's a bit embarrassing that Neil Armstrong left his Speedmaster in the lunar module. I, so I, I heard about the story. Why? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I was an Omega watchmaker. Like, yeah, yeah, well, so well. you know why, you know? Because it was broken. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Luckily enough, I'm not old enough to have been responsible for servicing that one. But yeah. But uh, the pro- problem is a spring bar, I see. It is a spring bar. Yeah, and you should not use spring bars in space. To be honest, <laughs> This is uh, the worst thing you can do. That's an interesting addition. He just lost the strap, basically. Yeah. So he couldn't wear it. It's not it. even the movement of the glass or the case. It's just because well, of the spring bar. Well, how missing. interesting. So, you know, the funny thing is the Omega Speedmaster didn't actually pass all of the tests that NASA mm. laid out for applying watches which when they were searching for mm. a special moon watch. Uh, they passed more than anyone else, but they still failed a few. Sure. And the reason for that was likely because the Omega Speedmaster was never designed for space. It was a racing, a racing watch. It was a racing watch. Yes. Yeah, and it still is. But it just so happened to be the best of a pretty hopeless bunch because, let's face it, nobody knew what kind of things no. they'd be encountering at that point. But it has this reputation, and it, it's a, a very valid reputation in terms of its historical significance. And No doubt about it's that. It's a, a beautiful uh, story and with its little quirks, as the one we've just described. But you want to make clear that a watch designed for space should be tested in space because this isn't just fun and it isn't just exciting it's necessary if if you want to 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 give a warranty to the clients and guarantee that that all Fortis watches are space proofed yeah you you can wear all Fortis watches in space you cannot just tell it you have to You have to know. You have to practice it. (laughs) And there are long-term benefits as well to not just horology, but also deep space space exploration because you have to be able to rely on the tools around you if the digital counterparts that we would likely install as standard in a spacecraft these days failed. Having the mechanical backup, just like a diver, as you said today, Mm -hmm. is still very advisable and that's what you're aiming to achieve, right? Yeah, you know, the thing is, um, 
I mean, back in the 60s, you know, the requirements and standards were not given like, like they are today. So if you build a rocket today, the requirements for the rocket are beyond you know, your imagination. I mean, you can see that here on the ground. Yeah, like, we're finding we out We cancel the time. countdown, we do something else, we repair, we need to fix this and that. I mean, <clears throat> and so does the watch. Yeah. So, you know, or everything you take to space. You know, you cannot just take the moon watch just for it has been the moon watch to mm. space. Mm. So I think the future space operations such as SpaceX or Mars explorations or whatever it is, they will very much take care of what they are taking on board because if it fails, if you lose it, or if there is, you know, something flying around in your spaceship, you don't want that, you know? No. So, um, so I think, um, to, to be ready for that particular day when Elon rings that bell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm yeah, sure yeah. he will. I'm sure he will. <laughs> we have seen firsthand in real time exactly how stringent the tests that uh, S-Range put all of their rockets through mm. are because we have 12 experiments on this rocket right mm. now, okay, from all different fields of science, engineering, and exploration. Fortis has a small compartment with all 13 watch heads mounted on... I guess it's an enormous custom-made winder, right? So they're yeah, spinning around. I it's think it's, it's the most beautiful winder you have ever seen. Eh? Yeah, it really is fantastic. <laughs> it's now, a space winder. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look fantastic because you have a single camera. That scares me, actually. The fact that it's a single camera scares me because, you know, if there's one thing, it could go wrong. Yeah, that's a problem, but this was not, it, it, was, it was not possible to, to have a camera. The, the, fo the, the problem is the focus of yeah. the camera. So you cannot uh, install the focus yeah. right on all 13 watches. You have to focus just on one. And you have quite limited space within the yeah. compartment Yeah, as well, and there's course. not enough space inside. And of course, the problem is with the focus also, you have to, to, to think also because it's getting vibrate, you have this vibration. Yeah which uh, disturbs the focus and of course you have vacuum so they have to reduce the focus now here a little bit back mm -hmm. because then in in vacuum it's right a sharp picture so it's not sharp here on the ground right so we'll only see it coming to focus when it actually hits when it hits uh, uh, zero gravity it okay. starts to be sharp and something so else it's just a small thing but this is what you have to <laughs> well, <laughs> that's why we love to think about this because they think about that you know yeah. we don't have a clue about that but they know what's happening there, yeah, so they, they can kind of say, okay, you need to build it like that, or we build it better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah but, but do you know why we have a winder installed in the inside there? Why? Because we, have, we had to install the watches. We have already installed it four weeks ago in Stockholm. Okay. But you only have 60-hour power reserve. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So it's been so, spinning ever since. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Well, the watches are inside the rocket since four weeks, but you have oh. to wind it up. Oh, of course. Okay. That's well, that's the, that's the only reason. It doesn't for the tests. The winder makes absolutely no sense. It's only to keep them on going. I mean, there's so many things to think about when you approach a project like this, and it proves that last year's preliminary testing with the balloon was absolutely necessary because in that test, you actually checked out which oil would work best between mm -hmm. a standard synthetic oil or an Arctic oil. Mm -hmm. Now, here on Earth, if you're spending pretty obvious. most of your time yes. outside of the Arctic, then pretty obvious. If you're spending time in the Arctic, also pretty obvious. But we weren't entirely sure what kind of difference the space atmosphere would make to yeah. the normal oil. And as it turned out, there wasn't a huge amount of difference at all, was there? So you decided to go with that which we wouldn't have known if, if it hadn't been tested last year. And that was an exciting experiment in itself, of course, because that balloon went up and was in the air for about 20 minutes, I guess. No, no, no three two hours. hours. Two, was it two, two, three I think, hours? I think the whole trip was two yeah. or three hours. Yeah, you must imagine. I mean, the, the balloon had its, its highest altitude after, I think, 60, 70 minutes. Okay. It takes them back 30 minutes, although it's just falling. And um, <clears throat> then it's been lying around in Finland for another hour. Yeah, I got confused because we had to fly out there on helicopters <laughs> yeah. looking for the thing. And that was probably about 20 minutes or 30 the minutes in the helicopter. 45. Jeez, what was I wrong the, with I my time keeping? Oh, you know the bill. All right. It was time. All right. Okay. Okay. Just take the minutes and 
multiply it by 20. Well, time flies when you're having fun. All right, I was sitting in the back. Oh, but at least that's a good when, we, when we flew out to Finland, you could use your GMT bezel. And that was amazing, yeah. right? Because obviously, for anyone who doesn't travel to Scandinavia too often, Finland is an hour ahead of Sweden, despite the fact they share a long land border. And as we True. flew over in a helicopter, we got to pop our time forward slightly, which was exciting because <laughs> we're a bunch of watch nerds, obviously. So it's exciting for us. But yeah, okay, right. My my memory of that event is completely skewed because I must have been having such a good time in the back of that helicopter. I, so. uh, I thought it only lasted about 20 minutes. But okay. You will remember your whole life, huh? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, it was the first time I'd ever been on a helicopter and what a reason to get on a helicopter. Yeah, best ever. And we were searching for this payload. We, we had a tracking device in it, so we knew roughly where it was, but yeah. we weren't entirely sure. And as it turned out, it landed on top of a fucking massive tree, yeah. which wasn't ideal. <laughs> Not ideal. <laughs> but it made a nice fire in the evening. Yeah. <laughs> now, for, for anybody that's worried about us like destroying uh, the Finnish forests in the name of science, we did have a specially trained and legally permitted yes. member of the crew who could cut down that tree and all the wood was used for good use. So and The good news is for every tree they need to cut down, they plant two new. Okay, so we actually did a good thing for the environment, ultimately. Yeah. Okay, great, 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 great. Okay, so those were the preliminary tests, and that enabled you to set up the parameters of this year's testing. And one of the biggest things is going to be the vibrations that the watchers experience during takeoff. And we've spoken also about the landing, but because the the rocket is coming down with a parachute, although it is quite an impact, it is, it is, impact. It is 35 kmh. It's like oh, hit driving. on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, this is a big hit. They told me, no, this is really smooth. The scientists landing, don't but, seem uh, worried, do they? Yeah, but the problem is, usually they do have more snow. So you can see climate change and stuff also yeah. up here. Mm -hmm. But we have like maybe 20 centimeters of snow up in the wild. But usually they have like two and a half meters at that time. Right, so that cushions so the fall. The, yeah, exactly. So, but I mean... 35 kilometers per hour. Is, I mean, imagine driving against the wall with that speed. Yeah. That's kind of... Mm -hmm. This will be a big hit. That's a hit. Luckily enough, Fortis is not in the nose cone. In fact, I believe I the nose at the cone burns away. We all signed it, and yeah. it's getting starless. Oh, oh, oh great. Okay. <laughs> is it made from peak? That nose cone. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The cone is made from peak, and then they have a, a cork. The, the top cone is made from peak, so very um, durable, and you know. I'd love to see strength. a peak dial stratoline. Yeah, well, we were talking about things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And don't the, go too far in the future. All right, all right, all right, all right. We're just talking okay, about yeah. traveling to Mars, but don't go that far. <laughs> so, okay, Portis's payload is somewhere towards the bottom of the rocket, actually. So that probably is better than it being closer to the top. Not, not actually, because the parachute is in the nose cone. Oh, you're kidding me. So, it's, so, so you're going to hit the ground ass on the floor. <laughs> so, yeah, oh. you get the first hit. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Well, at least it'll be thoroughly tested. Now, you have done some vibration testing already, right? In in Sweden also mm -hmm. with the yeah. watches. So what was that like? Was that what you expected? Yeah, the, the whole rocket has to be tested before launch and they do vibration tests with the whole rocket. Mm. And uh, of course, the watches was inside and we had had the camera on and uh, we showed you already the movie. Yeah. You yeah, see yeah. What, what's happening. Quite extreme. Uh, It's extreme. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, they can like trigger from zero to 2,000 hertz. Good grief. But not only like vertical, and they can also do horizontal horizontal um, vibrations. Mm -hmm. um, because the rocket, when they, once it's launched, it starts turning. Yeah, it's spinning. And, or spinning, yeah. And um, yeah, there's a lot of... I mean, you're actually sitting on two tons of fuel... That yeah. you burn. Yeah. What kind of fuel? They do not have a standard fuel. No, they have um, an. Uh, they call it Festbrennstoff. I don't know what's the English word. It's like um, they have like solid, um, solid fuel. Now, yeah, it's solid fuel. It's made with um, magnesium and aluminium chloride Good and grief. that kind of stuff. And they they melt it together, so Ugh. it's hard. And. Um, You don't want to smoke it's activated, anyway. Yeah, activated no, but it oxygen and that kind yeah, of stuff. So it, I'm, yeah. I'm really not sure, but there's two engines on there. Each engine or motor weighs a ton. Uh -huh. And after the first stage of burning is six seconds. So, so the, the rocket goes up and wow. after six seconds, the first stage is kind of drawn apart. And you can hear that motor re-entering the atmosphere. It's like, Woof. Oh, God, I hope it goes And the other parts, they're later, you know. <laughs> doo -doo, doo -doo. Yeah. <laughs> Pure science. But, but I think 
You should. You, it's it's uh, it's. There's no need to explain. You can imagine. You have this launch with this extremely power. Mm -hmm. You have this vertical horizontal vibration, and you have this up to 13 g oh. because of the spinning of the rocket. And this is this is just crazy. I mean, you will never have it in your real lifetime. <laughs> so the combination of forces that kind of get into that watch are ludicrous. Yeah. And the goal is. The, the watches will still be running and won't have of lost. Of course, because after time. the first test in Stockholm, I think we lost just four seconds around about it. And this that, was a, that's quite good. This was a test where the the testing facility expected any screw not glued into the yes. movement to fall out. We, right? we, we, we have been a little bit afraid because get, get <laughs> they, they yeah. told us when we mounted the watches, and then the engineer started uh, mounting the whole rocket, and then he glued all all the screws, and then we ask uh, why do you do that? And he said, if a screw is not glued on a rocket, it will fall out. <laughs> and I said, okay, uh, do you know that we do not use glue for our watches? So the, the four million screws in our watch movements yeah. are not glued. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's test it. But the first test all survived. Also our screw pin. This is all just a small part. We always just talk about the watch. But if you... You told us a story about Armstrong and 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 this is, uh, and the spring bar in, yeah. and the spring bar, but our watches are screwed. So we have also to test our screw pin for this all this vibration, this, these forces. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the first test has been all all good. Yeah. Your watches also use sapphire crystals, don't they? Because there's this uh, the yeah. best sapphire crystal in the world. The best yeah, sapphire crystal the best in the world. <laughs> well, how do you how do you quantify that? How is it the best? Because I know that. <laughs> well, you know that, but tell me, tell me you why know, I should know that. I mean, it's super. It's extra thick. I mean, our watches are robust and you know made forever. Tool watches redefined. Tool watch redefined. You know, you, we can't do any kind of like thin glass. It's I think two point five millimeters. On a marine master, even yeah, more. it depends on the watch and, and so of the, course the water resistance. But but super super but thick. But you have to, to imagine we, we can, we can do tests in Grenchen up to 125 bar. So that's 1,250 meters. We can do a water, uh, proofness test. Yeah. And, uh, it just, uh, the Stratoliner, it's, we give a guarantee about for 200 meters. But then I told my, my guys, hey, go to the extreme. I let, let, let the watch explode. Goes up and then it was I think 102 bars, so over 1,000 meters. Then the then the the case was destroyed. You so you see what our sapphire. <laughs> Good grief! And I mean, this is a watch that has a sapphire case back as well. Right? Yeah. It has an open case yeah. back, yeah. sapphire on the front, sapphire on the back. Wow! Double coated on both sides, so that you get crazy good legibility. Oh yeah, it, it, they always are like superb to read Fortis watches. I think and you know, at the end there's perfect. always a quality difference. You know, there's glass and there's glass. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, very interesting. Uh, I mean, the, the thing that stands out about the use of Sapphire is of course the fact that the Speedmaster used Perspex or Hesselite in those days because they claimed that it was like it would scratch or bend but not break un under the dress no, of space the, dust. The reason of of that is, or the the answer to this was like, if you have glass at that time, they don't have sapphires. Right, right. So they had regular mineral glasses. Which so, is no good. Which is not good. So if it breaks, you have glass floating around on the space station, and right. that's something you really don't want to have. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they said, okay, let's do hesalite, um, and it scratches maybe, but it, it's, it will be fine, it won't break. Yeah. So that's, you don't have parts kind of floating around. But you've always, Fortis has always used Sapphire in its yeah. space watches and the Cosmonaut never yeah, had any problems. Yeah. Yes, of course, the, the Cosmonaut has been used for over 20 years up in space and there was never a problem with the Sapphire glass. So for me, this with, an, with this plastic glass, it's just a mythos or an old rule which has never been changed. It's been overhauled. I mean, at yeah. that time where there was no Sapphire, I mean, why not use Hesley? Yeah, I suppose it was and the best option. In, 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 for the purpose of homage of what you want to call it, yes. Please to feel free to buy Hesley. You won't be happy too long, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so here on Earth, here on Earth, yeah, okay, up in space, no problem. <laughs> so you're setting out the parameters of what will be, I guess, mm -hmm. a testing process that 
Will, will you make it available to other companies if they want to test yeah. their watches for Mars travel or something like that? I mean, will you, will you establish like a, an actual testing procedure like a Cosc or I mean, Metas or something along those lines? No, what we, what we, on a long-term base, what we want to achieve is that we kind of take all the data, take all the experience mm. and... Um, build a requirement catalog. Yeah, yeah. And then also out of this requirement catalog, together with the SSC, build machines and testing machines that we can use in a lab in Grenchen. So we don't need to shoot a <clears> rocket <throat> yeah, all the, the time. The, the problem is you cannot shoot a rocket every two weeks. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not sustainable it's, it's, in any but way. But you want to you want to do developments for the future. So you need the machines in Grenchen to do it every day. And have your own laboratory. And this is the next step after this rocket flight. We start developing these testing machines. Okay, so you need the real life space based testing to establish yes. what you need to ask of machines yeah. so you can synthesize those. Because the machines are not there. No, of course not. No. It's just not there. Mm -hmm. So, and yes, of course, afterwards you can have kind of a certificate or whatever. Yes, it's a space proven watch. But um, not sure if, if this is a. The business, actually. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I, I guess there's not too many companies wanting to go through that process. No, but in, I mean, there are a great many uh, testing certificates that one can apply for these days mm -hmm. that brands obviously use to push yeah. their watches as ex extremely yeah, good quality. For, for me, the, for example, the chronometer, um, the COSC is, is, is a pure marketing thing. Yeah. Because at the end of the day... Um, they test the movement in their labs and you bring it back, you're actually kind of rebuilding it, putting it into watch. And there's so much, so many things can go wrong. I guarantee you know. that happens. Yeah, I've, I've just sure that many happens, a cost you know. movement. In so you get a cost movement maybe, yeah. but once you build it, then they lie around for half a year or a year, whatever, when they need it. <laughs> And what they do not test is they test the movement. The cost, I, I like cost, but there's for me there's some mistakes in the procedure. Yeah. And for me, what they completely forget is about hey, you are also moving with this watch. Yeah. <laughs> they just sure, take sure. it in 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 the drawer and yeah. just keep it there. But this is not the real life. So that's why we are working on our own performance standards because at the end we. we, we you have performance, you, 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 you do sport, you work the whole, you, you hit maybe the, the, the door. You go to space. You, you know, go to space, what else? Like that, yeah. And the that is shit, yeah. what is also have to be included in these tests for me. So that's, that's a real contribution to horology and something that anybody that hasn't encountered the Fortis brand before should use as a reason to seek you out and find out more about you. Now let's talk a little bit about the watches themselves. We talked a lot about the tests, <laughs> but um, people like to wear nice looking things. And I can say for sure that the new Strato liner, which is the uh, poster child for this experimental phase yes. is rather attractive. Oh, okay. Okay. Let's talk about the core one first. <laughs> yeah. And then okay. we'll talk about the special edition that is actually going to space and being um, brought to market very soon. This. Yeah, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, don't right. be careful. Don't be careful. <laughs> so, uh, Andreas, would you describe the dial to our listeners? Um, it's the most simple, complicated dial ever made. That's nice. Yeah. So um, Vague and ambiguous, but nice. <laughs> poetic, that's for no, sure. No, but, um, I mean, at the end of the day, what we want to do is, like, always a tool watch, but we want to redefine it. So, um, we want to have a function, but we also want to have design. We want to have luxury. We want to have this longevity um, and all these aspects of a high-quality Swiss-made watch. And at that point, you know, the dial is um, looks simple, but at the end of the day, is basically five dials. Mm -hmm. Because as you can see, for example, the counter dials are on the same level of like the base dial. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen a watch having this, um, because. Speaking of the moon watch, you know, the counter dials kind of are subtle to the... Slightly recessed, yeah. Yeah, slightly recessed to the main dial. That's because of you can move the, the, the counting hands and the small second hand a bit lower. Mm -hmm. So minutes and hours... I don't need to tell you this, yeah? You can tell the listeners. You can tell <laughs> listeners. <laughs> so our minute hand can move freely above them. Uh -huh. yeah. So 
but we wanted to have this super flat um, flat design and um, therefore we needed to cut the dial basically in half. Oh, to make it thin enough so that you have the hand clearance. Yeah, and then oh, you need okay. to kind of, that's, so you cannot engrave anymore. I see, I see. But then you need separate sub-dials that you plug in from the back basically and melt it together. Oh, wow. And same with the outering and so forth. Hmm. And to keep also the luminous parts here in, um, on the same level, you need to kind of do cutouts again to fill it with superluminova so it glows on the same level of light like the hands like the hands, yeah. Loom homogeny, that's what I call yeah. it. Yeah, it's my, my own little term for it. I'm trying to spread it around the industry. Okay. But it's very interesting. So the loom you're speaking about on the dial is arranged in a very aesthetically pleasing pattern. And unlike anything I've ever seen before, you've got a loom track running from 12 to 6 on the main dial. And again, from 30 to 15 on the minute counter sub-dial at 12 o'clock. So you've got this beautiful <coughs> symmetry in this set. Well... A symmetrical, asymmetrical dial. So the left-hand side of the dial is completely devoid of loom, and it's just this beautiful particulated white surface on the yeah. on the core model. There is a dark grey model and a light grey model as well with contrast subdials. And on the back, we can see through the sapphire glass to the Vexibzine mm. movement again, which, as you said, has been modified with this new plate to make it more robust. And is it coated with? It's kind of rodenized. Dark, 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 dark. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it's because it's smoked. Yeah, the glass is smoked sapphire again. And there's a little window uh, directly above the column wheel, right? So yeah. you can see that even more clearly. It's beautiful. That's, a, that's an homage to the spaceships, like the spaceship windows. Spaceship. You can see into your space. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, it's, it's been designed for the space tourists of the future. Okay, so tell based, us about that. It's, it's based, we're not allowed to say that very loudly, but it's based... Um, on the uh, future space of the future of the future space of tourists the because we're not allowed tourists to tell any brand names. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, but, but anyway, um, and there, kind of space travel works like it takes you one and a half hours to go up to seventeen kilometers. Uh huh. Um, it's a mothership and a spaceship mounted beneath the mothership. And at that altitude, uh, Mothership drops the rocket, the rocket ignites, and it takes them 90 seconds to go up into space, basically. And then you have like 10 to 15 minutes of zero gravity up there. You can enjoy this. If you're still looking on your watch at that time, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole journey is, is, is about all these three steps. Okay. And this is what this dial is made for. So this is... The Lumino is not just a design, it's the function of this watch. The whole watch is just about this super Luminova. Because this is the only, this is a way how he measure his time, these three steps up to space. So in our previous chat that we had with David Braden from A Blog to Watch, mm. we also mentioned how when a watch's form does directly follow its function and is mm. informed by that, it looks comfortable on the wrist immediately. Yeah. It, you don't need to be told why this works. It's very jarring when you first see the Stratoliner because it's unusually sparse yeah. in some ways, but it's, it's elements that give it its character are so well executed. I think it has to be ranked as one of the best releases mm -hmm. in recent memory. And the special edition version that you have on your wrist, Yop, is even more special. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's quite remarkable. So tell us, tell us what's different about this version. The different is that we normally we have in the in the in the bezel and then on the on the on the case back we have this rubber inlay. Okay, a black rubber inlay. Black rubber inlay, and here we did an eighteen uh, k massive gold ring. Wow. Because in, it's a an high exclusive watch. And there's only <laughs> going to be 13 of them. And there will only be 13. So we said, okay, if you want to have a little bit more exclusivity, you should use gold. Because I love gold. I don't know what's, what's your opinion about this material, I love but gold. I love personal. Yeah. I really love the gold color. Yeah. <laughs> and we have the special developed gold uh, Super Luminova. Oh, yeah. And we have these golden hands. The hands are not from gold. They're just gold color. Okay, okay. Because you 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 should not produce hands out of gold. It's it's too 
too weak, too, weak too, too, too soft, too soft material. Yeah, okay. Especially for the chrono second. Oh yeah, and of course. The, if it's coming, if, if it's snapping back, it's too, too. Gold is not good for that. So this is uh, the real special edition, only thirteen pieces, and, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be sold for eight thousand five hundred euros at this point. Roundabout, yeah. Roundabout, we think, because these I, pieces aren't just infused with this incredible gold ring on the front and back. They are also actually going to space. These are the pieces from yeah. the thirteen. They, yeah. My watch will not go to space. Yours is yours is staying on it. Yeah, because at the end there are not only 15, uh, thirteen. There are fifteen watches. Yeah, yeah, to be honest. One is in our museum. That's, that's the number one. Okay. Then you have one on my wrist. That's is the Jupiter. <laughs> 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 and then you have thirteen pieces. Uh, all 13 like pieces. When's the Andreas edition, by the way? I don't know. <laughs> 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 and they Maybe will, next year. They will be engraved one of 13. So these, if you got one of these watches, one of 13, these have been, the watches have been to space. Wow, amazing. What an opportunity to own like a real piece of I mean, if you're into space, expedition history. Man, and it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. I mean, I, I have a Fortis Marine Master M40 on my wrist because that is my favorite Fortis thus far. At least it was until I saw the new M44, which we'll talk about <laughs> in a moment. Um, but I am very sorely tempted to try and get myself in amongst those 13 buyers, because good grief. It is something else. We and do you have even more of that story because you're here. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I know. I know. It, it's, it, You've actually, we've started this all together. I mean, I, I joined at some point along the way, and it's, it's been a, a, a real pleasure to be part, some small part of the adventure. And I, uh, I can't take my eyes off it, for goodness sake. I wish you wouldn't wear it in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, okay, so, uh, yeah, to answer your question, I love gold. I love gold. I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I think the weirdest thing about the Stratoliner is that it works so well on a watch that is so much geared towards a function. So it is a luxurious interpretation of the core model, but it doesn't feel in any way flighty or um, dressy even. It's just a beautiful chromatic choice, and the execution of that gold ring in the bezel is stunning. I spoke to Marcel, who I know had many sleepless nights about how to actually bring that idea to life, um, but his insomnia was definitely worth while because <laughs> the result is something special. Yeah. I did touch upon the Marine Master M. 44, which may be my new favorite watch from Fortis. Yeah, the, the, the black, black dial, the black dial with the gold numerals and the gold hands. Yeah, it it's is lovely, yeah? incredible, absolutely incredible. John, John Player Special Edition. John Player Special. <laughs> but the weirdest thing about this watch is it's 44 millimeters and it does not wear like that at all. It's so comfortable on the wrist. I thought stupidly now having spent a little bit of time with this one that 40 millimeters would be perfect for me because i wear normally between 36 and 42 millimeters and 44 now sounds like a crazy crazy size for me to go for but having tried it on today i found it incredibly well balanced supremely comfortable and i had it on the rubber strap which was just just incredibly light and airy mm. but because of the buckle weight just Balancing it out perfectly, I, I can't really recommend it enough. What's your favorite watch in the Fortis collection, Andreas? Um, actually, I do wear the Stratoliner right now, and I do wear it like basically on a daily basis um, because it's just the feeling of it being here and wearing it. You know, being part of such a mission. It's yeah, kind of, it's kind of really, really something cool that kind of attaches to me. And then, yes, I do own a couple of more watches, obviously, but um, I've been to the Amadi oh, yeah. uh, Israel Mars mission. Well, tell us a little bit about that. <clears throat> um, yeah, I guess it's like last year we've been in the Negev Desert of Israel, which is a huge crater, um, an erosion crater, and um, it's a perfect site to train for Mars. So there's this Austrian Space Forum um, who develop or are one of only four, I guess, in the world um, that are allowed to develop uh, spacesuits for Mars. Wow. And they kind of try and test um, what's working, what's not working. They want to find the, the, the errors and failures and all of that to kind of not do it on Mars, mm -hmm. but rather do them here. And then they get isolated for four weeks or three or four weeks in the desert and they stay on their own. And we did a nice movie on this one as well. So 
that's coming in January, February or something. And what platform is that going to be released upon? Uh, YouTube. Okay. Yeah, we do some YouTube release on that. Um, you have quite a lot of YouTube videos up already, right? Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, we're trying to do the, the things from a watch industry perspective a bit uh-huh. more inconventional. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't want to be like everybody else. You know, it's like. We want to be a bit more the punk rockers amongst the watchmakers, <laughs> but but still on a on that quality level that you might, should expect from a five thousand dollar watch. Yeah, uh, and I think the the movements that we have are from Kenissi or La Jupere. They're all like manufacturer calibers. We're using recycled steel. We're having own developed gaskets out of FKM because they just last longer. Yeah. Um, I think we're only one of two in the world who uses like a triple gasket system for the crown. Okay. Um, stuff like that. We're at least 200 meters water resistant. Um, for everything? Everything. Yeah. Wow. Even the Fliegers? Yeah, even the Fliegers. I mean, yeah, yeah. imagine, you know, it's like you cannot take a shower with your watch. It's like ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Um, if you want to be a tool watch, anytime, yeah. everywhere. You, you, we want the people to make scratches into their watches. Because that's what their life looks like. Yeah. Make some scratches in there. And um, very important is something like, for example, for me, the clasp. You know, God, people find out about the clasp. Uh, first and foremost, most people, when they buy a watch, they don't think of clasp. But man, you can, I can talk for ages about the clasp now. Yeah, you know? it can make or break a watch. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I have older watches where we didn't have this uh, slight clasp on the, on the bracelet. And it's like, I don't wear them anymore because... The slight clasp to, with the micro adjustment is such a wonderful feature. Mm. Yes, it costs a lot of money, but it's worthwhile. It's so good. It's so well done yeah. on yours. I mean, if you get it right, and you've got one advantage actually because your watches are tool watches and they are by their nature robust, you've got quite a bit of real estate to play with on the yeah. buckle without it looking out of place or imbalanced. Yeah. And you've done a really nice job of making a very easy to use quick adjustment extension piece and to be honest i've said ever since i started wearing the m40 that i was going to get a hook strap for it yeah i never really considered the bracelet but i think i might change my mind and get a bracelet for it yeah the bracelet is is very comfortable yeah it is weirdly because as long as you can kind of broaden it or widen it and bring it back again you can do it in seconds seconds in in, in a yeah milliseconds basically yeah so okay is there anything that you can tell us about the future of Fortis's product lineup, or is it all confidential? Remember, this podcast is going to go live in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, but you can imagine. Huh? Yeah. Fortis is a space brand. Yeah. So okay. we had now, first we started to, with this transformation time for the last years, we started with the Flieger because it's an iconic model from the 80s to today. Then we had the Marine Master, which is, nobody knows, but this is the oldest model still exists it's 70 years old now yeah. since 70 years we're producing the marine master is it really yeah, yeah. i know i did and i'm wearing one yeah nobody, nobody knows rights with cycle there's a signed document yeah that we share the naming rights with cycle because we get often the request like hey marine master should be cycle and stuff yes okay is that because the two well. names emerge differently in different territories at the same exactly. time so you both exactly. have a valid claim to them oh how interesting Oh, that is cool. It's good yeah. to know. And after that, we brought for the space tourists, which, which what is completely new, nobody did before, the Stratoliner. Mm-hmm. And of course, we had over the last 30 years a professional model for professional astronauts. And of course, we imagined what will come for the future. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> okay. okay so. And then there will be something, something. to finish. A little flourish was made in the air. The the eye dot on the. (laughs) Okay, okay. You know what the best is about the watches? That's the best feature. It's that the date wheel on a 13th turns Bella Clue orange on every watch. So once in a month, you get reminded that you bought the best watch in the world. Why 13? Lucky number. The, 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 the real story or the marketing story? <laughs> no, whatever. No, I, 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 uh, when we did the first photos, shoots for our first catalog, yeah. the photographer asked me, what kind of date do you want to have on your watch? Okay. And I never thought about this. And then we start discussing. 
And we said, okay, uh, uh, what should we use? Everybody use the same, I think. Monday 23. Yeah. Okay. okay. I think then they use the eight because it's, it means luck in China yeah. or what yeah. else. Okay. And then we started, okay, think about it. And then there was somebody who told her, let's take Friday 13. Now, and yeah, the, the reason for the Friday 13. Friday 13 was, was because <clears throat> on a Friday I signed the contract for Fortis and we have been 13 employees. Oh, okay. Together. So this was the first at the end. But at the end, somebody told us, hey, you cannot do that. You cannot. The you Japanese. Yeah. It's been the Japanese distributor telling me, you yeah, cannot do this. You cannot, really? do, you cannot do photos with Friday 13. And then the first reaction was, of course we can. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Shall we do it for sure? <laughs> <laughs> if you say no, I will do it. <laughs> oh, you know, talking about catalogs, there's one more thing I want to say before we wrap up the show, and that is... Your print media is absolutely stunning. And I know how expensive it is, and it turns my already graying hair even grayer and mm. causes it to fall out because there are so few brands that put that level of effort into producing something physical now. But I think that it does come across as a perfect ambassador for the brand because that shows what kind of effort you put into every level of the watch and the communication yeah. if, thereof. If, if we do something, we do it right. Don't do shit. It's, it's just to save money. That's a, that's a pretty good motto. Fortis, yeah. don't do shit. Don't, don't do, do shit. shit. Yeah. <laughs> it is. What, what is Everything it? is the perfect. Don't crack. <laughs> you know, you, you are a brand at the end and, and the product is the most important. So do everything in perfection. Yeah. yeah it's, everything is completely perfect, constructed and perfect designed and best then materials. Best materials. There were so many details well thought out in this kind of, in this, in this watch. And of course, the box has to be perfect. And of course, the catalog has to be perfect. And the shots have to be perfect. Everything. Yeah. It's, it's a kind of, uh, was heißt Lebenseinstellung oder? It's kind of, it's, it's our mentality. It's your mentality. Either yeah. you do it or you don't, you know. But if you do it, just do it fucking right. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. Um, you're going to lend me a couple of new watches. <laughs> no, lend. Yeah, yeah. Is that no, the kind of lend you mean? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll sell them before you know what's happened. <laughs> lend them to me. Uh, we'll, what we'll do is we'll take some pictures of them and we'll put them out on Instagram and we'll ask our audience to ask us what they want to know about your new yeah, releases. Sure. And then we'll do a product review show. And... If you want to see these shots, if you want to stay up to date with the real-time show, you can find me on Instagram at Rob Nudds, R-O-B-N-U-D-D-S, or my co-host, who's absent today, Alan Ben-Joseph, at Alan Ben-Joseph, A-L-O-N-B-E-N-J-O-S-E-P-H. Damn it. Damn it. Yeah, well done. This is all live as well. And if you'd like to send us a direct email, you can do so at rob at therealtime.show or alan at therealtime.show. Thanks, guys, for joining us up here in... Kiruna. Kiruna. Kiruna, not Kiruna, wherever the hell we are in the middle of nowhere. It is time for us to go and work on these beers. Yeah, all right. Thanks, chaps. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, man. <laughs>